If you're listening to this on the date of publication, it's my birthday. Happy birthday, me. You could sing to me or something. You could send me a beer. You could just say cheers in a tweet. But I have been alive on this very day for 40 whole years. Yes, born on the 7th of April, 1982 in Sheffield. I entered this world and took it from there, really. So a bit of a self-indulgent fermenting thoughts today, but I want to talk about my beer journey. So I can't say my dad ever really drank beer very much. I don't really have memories of like being taken to the pub or anything like that, to be honest with you. My parents enjoyed a bottle of wine every so often, bottle of cider, but not really beer that much. Although my dad had a crack at doing a lager homebrew kit from Boots, the chemist, back in the 80s at some point. And I have memories of the pressure barrel in the garage and then the bottles in the airing cupboard and the sound of popping when the lids would come off. Um, maybe I've melded some of that with what my parents have told me and what I actually remember. I definitely remember the pressure barrel. And then as my brother started to get older, I've got an older brother, as he started to become more of a late teenager, like 17, 18 and whatnot, I think it was probably my brother Ben that introduced me to beer more so than my parents. So my brother would come back from the pub pretty laced up, as you can imagine, recounting all kinds of stories about how we drink this beer called Newcastle Brown Ale. You know, and it just sounded to my, what I was probably about 15 at the time, my 15-year-old little head is like, wow, that sounds like the most amazing thing ever. And then I remember one day, my mate Thacker on the school playing field where we used to play footy after school, brought some tins of stones and I was just made up. I was like, wow, what's this? And I tasted it and I was like, that is shit. That's horrible. Is that what beer tastes like? It's terrible. But I was, but, but, I would, crawl credit to me, I was determined to push on. I was like, this is what people like Ben and his mates drink. I need to keep trying it. So I took one home with me and I, and I, I surreptitiously opened it in our sun lounge. Mum and dad, if you're listening, <laughs> please don't tune out now. Um, but yeah, I cracked it open off Sun Lounge and uh, tried drinking it, but it was, it was terrible. So I, I ended up, no would ever lie, and you can unsubscribe me, cancel me, whatever. I ended up putting on my Cocoa Pops and it was equally as terrible, if not more terrible. But I, it felt it felt a shame to waste, to be honest with you. Uh, that, that was my first beer drinking experience. And as I started to get a little bit older, more college age. So in the UK, if you're listening elsewhere, when I say college, I mean like 16, 17, rather than like if you're a college student in the US, you're talking about university age. But when I was uh, college, I went to uh, Barnsley College and I joined a band that was doing music. And that was just like great, a great time. And I failed the course I was on because on a Friday, we'd have a group tutorial first thing between nine and 10. And then I didn't have any lessons till like two o'clock. So what do you do if you're 16 going on 17? And you, you can just about muster up enough bum fluff on your face to pass yourself off as being legal. You go to the student union, don't you, where they do 90p pints of carling and whatever the yellow piss they had on tap. So that's what I did. And my keyboard lesson, which was two till three, missed out often because my bus home 
from Barnsley to Sheffield came at 10 past three and it only took like 40 minutes. But if I had to walk from the music campus back to the bus station, I'd be five minutes late unless I ran and I was very large at this point in my life. So I didn't run. And the next bus was like an hour and a half because it like literally went everywhere. You know, it, it went, or I'm pretty sure it went around the UK, this bus. It took ages. You know, you wouldn't get home till late. So I went to the pub. And this is where I had my first proper beer drinking experiences, being in this band and, and going to the uni, student union. Um, you know, we'd drink Carling and I got into drinking Tetley and Caffrey's. Caffrey's was a treat if you went to the nightclub. Um, but one day my band, so I was in a band called Strawberry Jack and we played all the, some really grim places in Barnsley that are terrible. Um, but there was one Irish pub called Dirty O'Dwyer's. And incidentally, we played that on my birthday, my 17th birthday. So look at that. I'm not even going to try and work out how many years to the date. That is 20, 23, maybe. Um, yeah, 23. Look at my maths, bloody hell. I should have done maths at college as well, but I, I sacked that off in favour of the pub as well. Anyway, we, um, 23 years to the date, we did a gig at Dirty O'Dwyer's. And I remember like drinking a load of Guinness, but then I saw one of the hand pumps. He had this beer. It was called Barnsley Bitter. And I remember seeing it and thinking, hang on a minute, they do beer in Barnsley. They make beer in Barnsley. Like, how, how is that even possible? How is that even a thing? They don't, they don't make beer in Barnsley. But lo and behold, they did, you know, and I tried it. And at the time, it was like one of the most flavorful things I'd ever had. Incidentally, shortly after this real ale experience, I, I also did some work as a graphic designer for some friends of mine, Drew and Sean, that ran a music and comedy magazine called Ming Mong Magazine. If you're from Barnsley, you might remember that. So I used to do all the graphics and the layout. And Drew one day had an extra ticket to the Camera Beer Festival at Barnsley College. So he took me and I was leathered. I absolutely leathered. Like, again, all these beers, which at the time seemed like the most amazing things ever. And they were stronger than drinking 3.8% Carling or whatever it was at the time. I was floating, me. But it ignited my love of real ale there and then. And so me and my friend Russ, who was the bassist in my band, we started to discover real ale for ourselves. So we used to go down Sheffield a lot to the corporation, which is like a nightclub with rock and goth music and all that. And before we went, we'd often go to the Devonshire Cat, which was an amazing real ale pub. I mean, it was always heathing. They had like this bottle store with all these Belgian beers in and so on. And then they all had all these hand pumps with like white salamander. Is that what it was called? I don't remember. Salamander brewery or something. But I mean, they always had beers on when they were like 6% or Abbeydale Absolution, which was five point something. And it was just like, these beers tasted amazing. They were just... It ignited my love of Cascale. And then Russ started seeing this girl and her dad was a camera member. So we, we went to a beer festival there. And again, just all these experiences of, of real ale and drinking all these cask beers. It just put something in me, which I've built upon ever since of, I love cask beer and I love the pub. And I'm happy if those two things come together often. So me and Russ had often go to the pub and drink cast beer and 
as a treat would be drinking Hogarden or Leff, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a warm afternoon, shooting the breeze and chatting out we're going to be like the biggest band ever. But, you know, those beers at the time seemed really far out. It's crazy when you look back on it. Um, and then one day I had, I had this experience with this beer that I got from, I don't remember where I got it from. I don't think it was on cask. I'm sure it was in a bottle from the Dram Shop, which is like a little um, craft beer shop not far from where I live and it's been going for ages. And it was a beer called Jaipur. And I remember just being absolutely blown away by this really hoppy beer. It just seemed unlike anything I'd ever had. The hoppiness, the the flavour, the sort of pepperiness to it. It was insane. I was like, this is this is incredible. Like every beer should taste like this. And I think that that beer really, really infused my love of beers. I started to try a lot more different beers after that. And not that I drunk that much beer, but when I did, you know, um, I always tried to go for interesting things. I remember going to a, a bar in town once with my wife and we were saving up for a house. So all our money went into a deposit for a mortgage. But we we treated ourselves to like one beer. And uh, I went for this strawberry beer and I was so gutted afterwards. So I was like, can I not just have another beer, like a real beer? She's like, no, no, we can't afford it. And I was I was gutted. Fortunately, not in that position now, but uh, back then I, I felt really sad. That's how much I loved beer back then and um, even more so today. And I remember trying all kinds of beers. Me and my wife had this list on our fridge called Beers We Have Known and Loved. And it was a predecessor to Untapped. It was literally every time we go to the dram shop, we'd write on this list on the fridge the name of the beer and rate it out of 10. I had this German one, which translated as smoke beer and Hallelujah. It was terrible, pardon my French. It's It tasted like fagash. It wasn't that kind of Rausch beer that's like really kind of got that sweet smokiness. It was just like horrid, burnt, smoky, black flavour. It was like drinking tobacco. It was terrible. But that that's probably the only beer I really remember on that list. I wish I still had that list. It'd be interesting to look back on what, what beers they were and what we rated them. In 2007... I was an estate agent for my sins. And I remember sitting in the Mini Cooper, which is the estate agent car of choice, outside this house in this really nice area of Sheffield. And it was the five-bedroom detached house. Look, I'm just like trying to sell it you or something. Made bright and airy by virtue of the large sash windows. Um, and it had an annex. And it was sizable, this annex as well. And in my head as a musician, I was like, oh man, this would be my studio. You know, I had the control room, the live room, you know, I just needed however, half a million or whatever it was at the time. And this was during the, you know, the property crash. So I dread to think how much it costs now. But between this annex and the house was a hop bind. And I remember picking some hops off it and sitting in this Mini Cooper after I'd done this viewing and looking at them and rubbing them and smelling them and thought to myself, yeah, I could make beer with this. I don't really know how I could make beer with this. And now it never really left me. And those hops sat in the car in the little uh, cup holder for a while. And people I worked with, they, they knew I enjoyed beer. When, when I left working there, they all chipped in and got me some beers from the Barnes Beer Company. Beers like Shut the Gob and Get the Coit and other such uh, names. 
you know, and it was, it was a really nice gesture of them to, to get me beers. And again, I, I really enjoyed them at the time. But that idea of brewing my own beer somewhere in the background never really went away. It just stayed with me. And then you fast forward to 2013. So I've been working for a church for a while. We drink beers on a Friday night religiously. And then as a treat, might go to the pub every so often. But that was as far as it went. I was pretty much embroiled in the life of this church and working for it and didn't really think about much else. And then literally out of nowhere in 2013, it was about October 2013, I had this overwhelming desire to brew beer. I don't know, I still to this day don't know where it came from, whether it was a divine experience or whether it was just something that came out. Maybe I was feeling, you know, I've turned 31, I should be making beer right about now, you know, as a grown-up. And what do you do as a self-respecting millennial? You go on YouTube, don't you, to find out how to do things these days. So I went on YouTube and discovered this guy called Craig, who had this channel called Craig Tube. He's a white-haired Canadian who may have possibly written the official Winter Olympics Calgary song in 1986. He did something along those lines, you know, and he has this YouTube channel where he does beer kits and shows you how to brew and soups up beer kits with, you know, specialty grains and hops and things and so on. It was just very, very entertaining to watch. But essentially, before I even bought a brew kit, learned how to brew by watching Craig on Craig Tube. So that Christmas, I asked all my family for brewing stuff, you know, the little plastic tubs, the beer kits and so on. And I made a beer. My first beer uh, was a imitation of Newkey Brown, Newcastle Brown Ale. And I remember putting the heat belt on it because it was fermenting in my cellar, which is where my brewery is these days. It's come a long way. And um, didn't realise that you needed to control the temperature. So uh, I came home at lunchtime to see how the beer was doing. I was like, oh, wow, it smells um, smells good. And then I saw it was like 26 degrees C. And I, I knew enough about brewing even then that that was too hot. So I was like, oh, crap. So I had to get a T-shirt and put it over the plastic book and get the fan on it. But the damage had been done by that point. But I remember sharing it with my friends. And uh, yeah, they were very kind the, about me brewing beer <laughs> rather than tasting it. But what, what happened from that is I started to brew more, which is, this is where Emmanuel's came from. It came from um, this... Um, it came from me brewing at home and, and people chipping ideas in and people wanted to buy the beers. And I was like, well, I can't really sell it. It's not legal. So first we did a consortium where people would pay for ingredients, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then we'd split the, the dividends, which were the beers, but then other people wanted to join and it became too big. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to get like a license. So uh, throughout this year, 2014, I'd been, amassing equipment and doing all grain beers and all the rest of it by this point you know once I get my teeth into something I can't stop essentially I applied for a license the government gave me one so at the start of 2015 I started selling it commercially and that that was interesting that was a very interesting experience by this point Emmanuel's existed as a brand and people liked it and they liked the beers I was producing and I started selling them into the local bottle shops and it, it kind of went from there really and I'd have friends over and they'd bring some beers and we'd brew together and 
which was great because we all got to try different beers. We were, we were all expanding our flavor palettes with beers like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and Magic Rock High Wire and obviously Jaipur and, and beers like that. It was just a wonderful time of discovering new beers that were available. And as you may have heard in various stories, there is a podcast out there actually called The Plum Line. And the episode is called The One About Beer. If you want to hear more specifically about my journey with Emmanuel's, go listen to that. So rather than me reiterating all here, because it's a very long story, go listen to that episode. It was recorded at the end of 2019, but it lays out my journey of leaving the mega church to start a microbrewery. And it went from there, really. So I ended up working for the Sheffield Brewery Company, where I not only got to taste lots of different beers, I got to learn a lot about brewing and make loads of beers and really cut my teeth in the industry. And again, I've talked about that on previous episodes um, about my my time and experience there. I think one of the main things I took from that was a deeper appreciation of cask beer, but only retrospectively because it was a cask producing brewery. And I came in heavily influenced by the US craft beer scene and the contemporary craft breweries in the UK. So I was like, wow, we need to be making beers like Northern Monk. And at the time, Camden Town and Beaver Town and all these, you know, breweries that were on the up and up and up. And I remember this one time when a load of kegs arrived on a pallet and one of the co-owners was uh, helping unload them. One of his camera buddies came past and said, oh, what have you got here? And he went, oh, the Antichrist has come. Oh, we're going into keg. <laughs> oh, you know, but, you know, I wanted to experiment. And it was hard kegging beers in a cask producing brewery. Some turned out better than others. Uh, but the one that turned out the best, incidentally, won gold in the keg and small pack category at Ciba Beer X in 2019, um, which was a beer called Berlin Black. It was a breakfast stout. And by the time we left, and um, Marv, who was the brewer at the time, had come from Thornbridge, taking over my role. We won silver overall in the cask category uh, for beer called Get This In Outdoors. So we were both made up. Actually, if you go on the um, BeerX website, there's a picture of me and Marv celebrating, which is lovely to see. It all kind of went from there, really. And I have the privilege of, as you know, working with lots of different breweries all over the place now, as far away as Nigeria, even um, helping with branding and marketing and brewing consultancy. And I, I love being part of the industry. There are so many great beers out there these days, you know, um, maybe I should talk a little bit about some of my favorite beers and breweries, and then you can get on your merry way. So uh, I want to tell a story about, first off, probably one of my favorite breweries, actually. Uh, I was bottling one day at the Sheffield Brewery Company. And the owner came in and he said, oh, hey, Nick, um, this is Dan and Martha uh, who were looking to start a brewery in Sheffield. Dan was an American and Martha was from North Yorkshire. And uh, Dan asked a lot of questions and he gave me his card and offered to come brew with me one day if I wanted. And I'm gutted retrospectively that I never took Dan upon it. Because if you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Brewery St. Mars of the Desert. It'd be a little bit like, you know, Noel Gallagher walking in and, asking if you want to jam, but you'd never heard of Oasis. So you're like, oh yeah, maybe mate. Yeah, cheers. And then uh, realizing later on down the line that you missed your golden opportunity. But um, Dan, if you're listening, you've got my number for, for that collab that I mentioned at uh, Indie Beer Feast. I'm jo- I am still joking, Dan, honestly. If you are listening, I'm, I'm joking. But if you did want to, that would be absolutely amazing. 
we're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> anyway, and um, I didn't hear anything about them for ages. And I thought, well, maybe they moved on or whatever. And then I was in um, Walkley Beer Co., which is a great little bottle shop and tap room around the corner from my house. And uh, Nick, who worked there at the time, who now owns a different bottle shop called Pangolin in Hillsborough in Sheffield, said, oh, have you heard about that new brewery in Attercliffe called St. Miles of the Desert? I'm like, no, no, no. And he said, oh, yeah, it's run by this American guy and his, his wife's from England. And yeah, you know. I've not tried the beers or anything, but, you know, maybe you should check them out for your podcast or something. And I thought, oh, I wonder if that's Dan and Martha. So um, one day, the day after Boxing Day of whatever year it was, had all my lycra on because I was going home for a run from, we'd been to the cinema or something as a family. And I was like, oh, I'm going to run home. And I thought, I'll, I'll run past their place, Nattercliffe. So I, I rocked up at their gates and in my lycra and pressed the button. And I can't remember who came out to greet me. I think it was Martha. And I was like, you might not remember me, and I am wearing lycra, <laughs> but and I recounted the experience. And incidentally, she, she did remember, so they invited me in and they showed me around and gave me a couple of bottles of their beers. And they, they were like, have you got a bag? I was like, no, but I'll carry them. So I ran home carrying these two bottled beers of um, St. Mars of the Desert, two of the first beers they produced. And um, I was I was just blown away by them. You know, they weren't like super hoppy or anything. They just were very well brewed, very nice beers. And, you know, I've championed them ever since. They're such wonderful people and, and their tap room is just the most amazing little place ever. And I say this often when I talk to people or on this podcast even, but if you get a chance to go, you must go. It's fan It's just a fantastic, dear little place. and It's, it's really quirky and they're, they're such creative, nice people. So, and, uh, you know, Jack Daw as many people will attest to, is that it is just one of my favourite beers. You know, it's a beautiful American Saison and incredible beer, incredible beer. But I've discovered some amazing other breweries, uh, particularly over lockdown. Lockdown was really good for people getting in touch and introducing themselves. Um, people like Utopian Brewing, like I love lagers. I've always enjoyed lager right from my Carling days at Barnsley Student Union, maybe for all the wrong reasons back then. But um, I've always really enjoyed good lager and especially like those continental ones. So when I got sent some for the first time by the brewery, they blew me away and every one of their beers does. Their My Book is just incredible. It's such a bready, malty experience with some bitterness behind it it's just very tasty you know they, they know how to make great beer and I, I love the ethos of using British ingredients as well and sticking to the terroir of the UK particularly in these times if you listened last week about environmental sustainability you know that they're a really good example of a brewery that are doing that and doing it well but other breweries I've discovered, Neptune Brewery, again, the guys from Neptune are just great people and I love their beers. I love their ethos and they, they make just a really great array of beers and say they're can conditioned as well. You know, the condition's always excellent. The quality is always spot on and the cask versions are just wonderful. Um, I've just got so much time for Neptune Brewery. Again, if you if you never come across some of these breweries, make sure you go to their web shop and check them out. Because I think there are some really great undersung breweries that people don't know about. Um, good Chemistry in Bristol. Hey, Kelly, if you're listening. Um, you know, I really like their beers. Uh, Kokomo Weekend. 
I think it's what it's called. I'm sorry if you're listening, Kelly, I didn't get the name of that right. Kokomo Weekend is such a really nice IPA. Plus, as a big Beach Boys fan, you know, when I heard the name, I was just like, that's a beer I want to try. But they're making really, really tasty beers as well. And then another brewery local to me, Sheffield, that I think have come a long way, Triple Point. Um, Alex is a master brewer. He makes some fantastic beers. And the beers they're producing at the moment are just exceptional. I mean, the brand's really spot on. It's it's very clean and very simple in lots of ways, apart from like some... It's hard to explain. You have to go see it. It's kind of like... I remember Mike, who's one of the owners, telling me the story how they their ethos is like, it's all about the beer. So they literally have like, it's either silver or black or a white label with this font, Curry and New. Come on, we all know Curry and New, right? Um, really simple font, but then in like a marker pen, um, someone wrote the beer name and they gave that to designer and was like, he put that on a can and they've done such a great job. But it's like a London style brewery tap room in Sheffield and you don't come across too many of those to be honest with you. Uh, most breweries over here have, have got outlets like pubs rather than tap rooms. Um, but Heist are great and they've got like this burger place as well, Triple Point, which is just fantastic. And I think I'll finally end on a few pubs or bottle shops maybe you should check out. And obviously some of these will be local to me because I don't get out all that much. But uh, some of the places I've discovered, I'll, I'll start further afield. So Brewery Market in London, uh, Linden Dennis run a great little shop there. I mean, it, it's down this lovely street, Church Street in Twickenham, historic even, uh, that street. And uh, it's just a quaint little shop. It just really feel magical when you go into it. And the community there is just fantastic. I feel like it's my local bottle shop, but probably the furthest away from home I can get. Um, so if you're ever in Twickenham, well, even if you're not in Twickenham, make the journey and go. Um, it's such a great little place. So many good vibes. You can play board games, drink beer. You can stroke Pepper, Linda's dog, sweet little dog. And there's always just good conversations to be had. I've met so many great people in there. So Brewery Market's a cool place to go. Uh, whilst I'm in London, the Pembury Tavern, which is Five Points Pub, um, incidentally, if you listen to this podcast when it's been issued, I'm likely to be in there this evening. So come and say hello if you see me. Um, I just loved that play. I was introduced to it by Matthew Curtis of Pellicle uh, when we met in there for pizza and beer with Claudia from Five Points. And I mean, just they make such good beer, don't they? Um, Juper, which reminds me of Jaipur in name <laughs> and slightly in taste almost, Um but I love that beer. That's one of my favourite beers. I mean, they used to sell it in a supermarket, which I don't think they do, like up north, I mean. And I was gutted because it's like, it'll be a go-to beer for me. It's so, it's so incredibly tasty. So make sure you check there out. Ooh, I'm trying to think of some other locations you can visit now. Uh, White Locks in Leeds um, and the Turk's Head next door. I mean, those are just amazing places. So the White Locks is more trad, you know, traditional pub, been there for ever since the dawn of time, but you'll get some great beer there. And then White Locks, obviously, keg beer, more modern focused, but just wonderful. This is more of a brewery tap room rather than a pub in and of itself. But in Manchester, which is a city close to my heart, Track Brew Co. Just, I love that place. Such a great brewery tap room. Um, Simona, I was gutted when I went not too long back because 
They didn't have it on cask. They'd run out. So I had it on keg, and obviously it's very nice beer, but I really want it on cask. But then they had this um, other, like, 3.4% golden bitter on, or 3.6%, and that was just lovely. But um, you can hear me in the episode with Dave Hayward from A Hoppy Place waxing lyrical about the brewery floor there. You know how I like a good brewery floor. Obviously, across the way, you got Cladwater's Tap Room. What can I say? Just amazing beers and great vibe in that place. So um, make sure you check those out. And Manchester Union Brewery, actually, um, while we're talking about tap rooms and while I'm in Manchester, so to speak, is a, a great place. You know, I mean, t- typical tap room feel, but they're all producing lagers. They're all very tasty. I mean, and it's all within that little sort of square mile. So make sure you go visit that. But I really like Marble Arch. Um, again, it's similar vibe to the Pembury Tavern or um, the Blake in in Sheffield. Uh, you know, really sort of classic pub with the decor and everything. But um, you know, I, I really like Marble's beers, and and um, that's a very good pub. And then maybe we'll end up in Edinburgh. So the hanging back, I've only been once, but maybe I've been nostalgic about it. But it's because in many ways my craft beer journey for brewing started around that time and I went to visit my brother-in-law up there who took us and I remember seeing this little brew kit there and I was like, oh, wow, I'd love something like that. Maybe my cellar, which is kind of what's happened. But um, they had Buxton beers on and, and all kinds of really nice beers and we just sat in there for the afternoon drinking all these amazing craft beers. And I'm sure I've missed off places so many places to go visit, aren't there? Um, like, you know, Liverpool. There's some dead crafty in Liverpool, Bundabust. You know, there's... Uh, we, we, I, 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 <laughs> I'm lost for words. There are so many amazing places out there in the UK to go and drink beer these days. We're so privileged because going back to the start of this podcast, even when I was at college in 1998... 2000 there weren't that many places you had rundown pubs real ale seen few and far between and you had to discover it in certain places it's everywhere now and who knows where it'll go from here you know there are people setting up little brew pubs everywhere that's my dream that's on the cards for me I'm working on a business plan set Emmanuel's up as a, a brew pub effectively like a brew micro pub and I think we'll get more local in our beer drinking, even more so, like hyper-local, um, maybe as a result of COVID and travelling around, maybe cost of living stuff, you know, people wanting to support local businesses more. I am speculating it could go anywhere. We could get invaded by aliens by the end of this year, for all we know. Anything's not off limits these days with the way this dystopian world is going. But let's enjoy beer while it lasts. Let's enjoy the breweries around us and, and discovering these great places and the relationships that are forged. I've forged so many relationships through beer over the last, well, I say 40 years, as long as I've been drinking, 20-something. It's such an amazing thing to draw people together, not just beer, but pubs and meeting people in these shared spaces. So there you go. I've gone on enough. You've indulged me enough on my birthday to listen to me for 30 something minutes talk all about beer so anyway they're my fermenting thoughts for this week make sure you tune in next week to the hot four podcast because i am talking to stan Hieronymus. 
Stan Hieronymus has written books like For the Love of Hops, Brew Like a Monk, Brewing with Wheat, and it's just a wealth of knowledge on all things brewing. So make sure you check out that podcast. But for now, thanks for tuning in. Cheers. And these were my fermenting thoughts. (laughs) 